The message this morning uh, may not uh, relate to everyone here. It may be something that you have never faced, never will. Uh, But if it helps one person, I want to share the message. Maybe it will help one, maybe it will help more than that. A number of months ago, maybe longer than that, a brother here in the church came to me and Someone in their family, extended family, had took their own life. I thought maybe there'd be a message that should be shared sometime on suicide. Why preach this message among plain people? It doesn't happen among us, right? Well, praise the Lord, it's not common, but it does happen. And my own great-grandfather who was Amish, it doesn't really matter what, he was, what church he was in, but just so you know, he was a plain person. At the age of 75, chose to take his own life. And so it does happen in our circles. It happens in our families. And why is that? And is there something we can learn from those in the scripture who took their own lives that maybe can help us not to get to that point? or if we're struggling with it ourselves, and try to maybe get to the root of it and go from there. I want this message to be a message of hope, even though we're going to look at some things that aren't, maybe don't look that way, but I want it to be a message of hope. Now, I mentioned suicide, and some of you might be, your first question might be, oh, good, he's going to answer the question about if someone takes their own life, Um, will they go, is there any chance of going to heaven or are they just automatically going to hell? He's going to answer that question this morning. Well, that's not really what the message is about. I'm not the judge, but I would say this. If you're here this morning and you're able to ask that question and think through it and you take your own life, I know God is the giver of life, and he does not give us the prerogative to take our own lives or anyone else's. As Christians, he does give governments the right to do that, but he doesn't give us the right as Christians to take our own lives. And so I would and assume from the scriptures that you would go to hell. But I'm not going to say that that's the case for everyone in every case. I don't know. I'm not the judge, but I know this. It's not worth the risk, and we'll talk about that a little bit later as far as that goes. But that's not really what I want to share about this morning. What I want it to be is a message of hope and a message of maybe coming to the root of why sometimes people take their own lives and then some things that maybe we can say or do in those situations. In 2021, in the United States alone, and I didn't I didn't look up for the whole world, um, be much higher. But in 2021, the United States alone, 48,183 people died from suicide. That's one death every 11 minutes in our country from someone choosing to take their own life. 12.3 million adults seriously thought about it. 3.5 million adults made a plan to do so. And 1.7 million attempted it. Now, out of that, only 48, according to these statistics, 
from the CDC, only 48,000 did it, but there were 1.7 that attempted it in some way. Interesting, um, the rate for men is nearly four times that of women. Not sure what that's all about, but brethren, men, this morning, boys, you're at a higher risk. <laughs> that doesn't mean, though, it is alarming, though, right now, according, um, according to some of these things, uh, teenage girls are at a high risk right now because of social media and the things that are said to them. This may surprise you. If you would think about this and think, well, what age group has the highest risk of suicide? What would you think? Well, I'll tell you. People over 85 years of age have the highest rate of suicide in the United States. So this isn't just for young people this morning. It's for all of us. People between 75 and 84 have this next highest rate followed closely by those from ages 25 to 34. Suicide rates increased 37% in the U.S. between 2000 and 2018. They did decrease about 5% between 2018 and 2020, but remember something came along called COVID, and their rates returned to their peak in 2021. Researchers found that between 2008, 2018, the suicide rate among 13 and 14-year-olds nationwide more than doubled from roughly two deaths per 100,000 teens in 08 to nearly five in one, in, per 100,000 a decade later. It was a stark reversal from a decline that began in the late 90s. And in fact, suicide is now the leading cause of death for 13 and 14-year-olds in the United States. That's according to the U.S. News and World Report. 13 and 14 year olds, that's the highest rate. For 12 to 19 year olds, um, the highest rate by far is accidental deaths, and out of that, 70, close to 75% of that is automobile accidents, so young people be careful. And then homicide is actually slightly higher than suicide, both of those completely. Um, by someone's own hands, either someone killing someone else or someone killing themselves. So is, important, is it important that we talk about it and we look into this thing? Sometimes people feel like, well, things are so bad off that if I die, um, things can't get any worse. But I am here to tell you that if you die and you're not saved, it doesn't matter how bad things were here or how good things were, it will be worse. On the other hand, if you die and you're saved, it doesn't matter how good things were, it'll get better. Or how bad they were, it will certainly get better. What are the reasons? And we could go on and on with that. Sometimes... If we're not the person that took their own life, we say things like, well, they were just selfish. Or not willing to take responsibility. Or just living their own sinful life, etc., etc. We can say things like that. 
But what the person may be thinking that is considering suicide is because of a loss of hope. They had hope in something, and it's gone. And why continue on? Maybe the loss of a friend or a spouse or a family member, and it could be through death or it could be through just no longer having contact or feeling rejected. And that's a big one, rejection. Could be a financial or a job setback. How will I ever get out of this situation? How will I ever pay this off? How? I can't do it. You hear the phrase about people feeling bullied, and I know that gets maybe overused. But there actually have been young people, teenagers, that they found out after looking back on their social media stuff that people actually egged them on to take their own lives, and so they did. Or after being told many, many times bad things about themselves, they finally decide to take their own lives. You know the old phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's one of the stupidest sayings anybody ever came up with. It really is. A lot of us would rather be hurt physically than to be hurt with words from someone. Some people say, well, it's the only answer to my problems. Or no one cares. Or no one will miss me. Or I'll show them. They've done this. They've said that. I'll show them. Maybe it's unanswered prayers. You prayed about something, prayed about something, and prayed about something, and nothing seems to change. So does God even care? Is God even there? There's no point. And I think a big one that happens to people, and it's not just, shall we say, Christians that maybe struggle with this, but unable to free some, yourself from some sin that is plaguing you. You've tried, and you've tried, and you've tried, and you've been a failure at it. And so Satan comes and tells you, well, there's nothing you can do about it anyway. You're not good enough to go to heaven. You might, you're going to go to hell anyway. You might as well just get out of this. Those are lies from Satan. That is not Christian hope. That is not what God wants us to understand, not at all. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 31. And we're going to look at some people in the Bible who took their own lives and look at some things that we can learn from them. And maybe right now you've never contemplated something like that. Or maybe you are. Can you learn something from these people and realize that their choice didn't really solve their problems or especially put them in a right standing with God? In 1 Samuel 31, here was a powerful man who God had used, wanted to use. Um, start reading at verse 1. 1 Samuel 31. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell down slain on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons, and the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Mal. Kai Shua, 
sons of Saul's. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me or torture me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul had done, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. And so there you had the death of Saul. Let's take a look at some things here. First of all, in verse 2, he had lost his sons. He lost people that were close to him. And so that, he probably felt like, well, how am I going to go on without them? And then in, in uh, verse 3, suddenly life was not going as expected. They were losing the battle. And so you see a couple of things here that can, draw, that can push people in a direction of hopelessness, a loss of friends and family. Life is not going at all like he thought it was going to. And then in verse 3, he has physical pain. And physical pain can wear on people. I knew a man personally um, who my um, Cindy's family knew much better than I did, but knew a man personally who had gotten shingles older in life and could not seem to get away from it. And the pain and, and all of that that was dealing with, and finally he chose to take his own life. Physical pain can be hard. Well, here he is. He says the archers got him. I'm assuming he's riding along there in his chariot or running along or right, whatever, and he's got some arrows sticking out of him. It's, it's, it's a bad day for Saul. But I think the thing that really gripped him, and this can happen, in verse 4, he's afraid of what's going to happen next. He's afraid. Fear can drive people to suicide. He was afraid. And he was, would rather be in control and take his own life than to let someone else do it. Control sometimes can have a bearing on this. And so you see several things that happen there. Loss of his friends. Life wasn't going as he had planned. He was in physical pain, and he was fearful. A bad set of ingredients there. And being afraid of what could happen and being tortured, and I should just mention this, and so um, it could be for those who maybe have had something happen to them, or it could be, I'll tell you this as a deterrent in case you are ever tempted to do something like this, but um, young people or children who have in some way been harmed or uh, molested by people they trusted can struggle with these thoughts as well. Fear of what's going to happen next. How could something else happen? Will something else happen? Well, it didn't start here. If you go back, and we're not going to turn to all these, you go back into chapter 15, Saul's problems started with disobedience to God. In chapter 16, the Holy Spirit left him, and an evil spirit bothered him. This thing had started earlier. It didn't just start with this. He had already rejected God and disobeyed God, and now it was going on to this. Turn to the book of Judges. Book of Judges, um, 
chapter 9. Another area that we must guard against in our lives. I'm, tell, I'm showing you some of these, maybe more for those who maybe aren't struggling with thoughts like this or ever have, but to be careful that these things can lead to that. In uh, Judges chapter 9, verses 50 to 57, and this is after battle here and some things going on. We don't have time to talk about the whole story. You can read it. Uh, but Abimelech here in We'll start in verse 50. And then went Abimelech to Thebes and encamped against Thebes and took it. But there was a strong tower within the city, and thither fled all the men and the women and all uh, they of the city and shut it to them and get them up to the top of the tower. And Abimelech came unto the tower and fought against it and went hard unto the door of the tower to burn it with fire. And a certain woman cast a piece of millstone upon Abimelech's head and all to break his skull. Then he called hastily unto the young man, his armor bearer, and said unto him, Draw thy sword and slay me, that men say not of me, a woman slew him. And his young man thrust him through, and he died. And we could go on reading there, but I think I'll stop there. You kill me, I want to kill myself so that they can't say a woman killed me. What's that? Go back to Pride. Pride. He was so pr- I don't know if he was too far gone to be healed, but he had enough sense yet to, to talk about this. Um, so was he so far hurt that he would have died? I don't know. But I do know this. He was too proud to die that way, so he would rather take his own life. Pride can be a root in our lives that lead us to things like this. Turn to... Um, Chapter 16 of Judges here. Verses 26 to 30. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and the lords of the Philistines were there, And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may at once avenge the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, on which he was borne up, and the one which with his right hand, the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself and all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew in his death were more than they which he slew in his life. And I know some of you are going to say, well, but the New Testament, what does it say about Samson? And we don't have time to talk about that. But, and I don't know all the answers anyway to that. Maybe no one does. But I do think the clue to why he killed himself is in verse 28. Did he say, Oh God, give me this strength to make your name great again and to destroy these uncircumcised that hate your people? No. I want to be avenged for my two eyes, so let me kill a bunch of them. This is a problem in our culture today. I don't know if it's weekly anymore, but it's 
It's very frequent, so frequent that we hardly get shocked when it happens. Someone or a group of people decide they're done and they're going to take their own life. But they're going to take others with them before they go. They're going to, get, they're going to avenge for someone, for something. And they go and they kill as many people as they can and then they take their own life. I'll do what I want and I will get the last word and what are you going to do about it? Again, did his, did Samson's sins start here? No. Guard against these kinds of things coming into your life so that at some point you don't get to where he was. Go to 2 Samuel again, or to 2 Samuel, I don't know if we've been there yet. Chapter 23. Most of us here this morning would say that I would never, and I mentioned bitterness last week in the devotional. Most of us would say, well, I would never let bitterness take me to a point to where I would actually be willing to take my own life. But let's look at this man's story here. Ahithophel. 2 Samuel 23, 34. Eliphalet, the son of Ahasbi, the son of Maacathite. Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilonite. Eliam, the son of Ahithophel. Okay, put that in the back of your mind there. Let's go back to chapter 11. Verse 3, story of Bathsheba. Chapter 11, verse 3, And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, the granddaughter of Ahithophel, basically? Who was Ahithophel? Well, he was, he was a man at David would talk to and David trusted and matter of fact the scripture says that he was a man that it seemed like his words were the oracles of God. He was one of David's trusted men. But he violated this man's granddaughter. So that tells me the man was not a young man anymore. Go to chapter 15. Verses 12, verse 12, and this is during Absalom's revolt against his father David. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel. Oh yeah, one of David's trusted men at one time. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo. While he offered sacrifices, and the conspiracy was strong, and the people increased continually with Absalom. Go to verse 31. 
And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. He asked God to change his ability to counsel well, make it foolish stuff. Chapter 17, verses 1 to 3. Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Let me now choose out twelve thousand men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night. This was his, he was David's friend and counselor for years. And I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed, and will make him afraid, and all the people that are with him shall flee. And I will smite the king only, and I will bring back all the people unto thee. The man whom thou seekest is um, is as if all returned, so all the people shall be in peace. Verse 23 of this same chapter. And this is after, you'd have to read the whole story to get all the context, but this is what happened. And when Ahithophel saw his counsel was not followed, he saddled his ass and arose and got him home to his house, to his city, put his household in order, and hanged himself and died, and was buried in the sepulcher of his father. Bitterness and betrayal. And this old man, who had been wise, had given all this wise counsel through his years, said, I'm done. Went home, set his house in order, and hanged himself. And so for any of us to think that this kind of thing could never, ever, ever happen to us, and yet we allow bitterness or something like that in our lives to grow and to grow and to grow, and then someday we do this. I don't suppose that my great-grandfather, if you would have asked him um, when he was, his family was all at home yet, raising his sons, and all that, he, if, he, if he would ever do that, he would have probably said, oh, no, never. Maybe I should, some of you would probably actually know that connection a little bit more, not necessarily through my grandfather, but many of you would have remembered Emmanuel Hosteller, uh, preacher, evangelist, um, very involved in the IBF meetings for a number of years. It was his father. And so it's, it brings a little closer to home. I'm not going to turn to this one, but you can look it up. Zimri in 1 Kings 16, 17, and 19. But let's look at, think about Judas in the New Testament. We don't have to turn to that one either for lack of time. But Judas went out and hanged himself. Why? Well, I would say he had great remorse, but not great repentance. And that can happen. If we begin to become remorseful for things that we have done, we begin to feel terrible about things we have done, whether it's sin or whether it's disappointment or whatever. But especially if it's sin, something we have done that really hurt someone else or something that was sinful. And we maybe feel terribly bad about it. We're remorseful, but we're not willing to repent. It can drive us to something like that. 
So I've talked about some of the causes and the reasons. And so maybe if you're here this morning and you're struggling with this, you're like, well, that fits me, so I guess what am I going to do about it? Well, we'll talk about a little bit of that, but I want to look right now at some of the Psalms. Turn with me to the Psalms. First thing I would encourage you to do is, and well, we'll talk about some things later in life, but go to the Word of God. And I know if you're feeling, if you're feeling badly enough that you don't care anymore, you're probably not going to care about going to the Psalms and reading them either. But I encourage you to do it. Just do it. Read and, and read the Word. Read the Scriptures and, and let that come into your heart and see if there's anything that needs to be forgiven in your life. Psalm 13. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? Here are pages I may have not given you the chapter. Psalm 13. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Here the psalmist, even in his great despair, recognizes that that God has mercy. And we can trust God. And we can come to him in mercy. He is merciful. It says here, I will sing unto the Lord. And I have heard people's testimonies of when they have felt, um, how should I say, when they have felt very bad or felt like there's no hope. And they finally choose to sing to the Lord. It changes. It changes their hearts. It changes something inside us even if we don't feel like singing and if you're in this state you're probably not feeling like singing very much psalm 31 9 to 19 have mercy upon me O lord for i am in trouble my eye is consumed with grief yea my soul and my belly for my life is spent with grief And my years are sighing, and my strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all mine enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and a fear to my acquaintances, or to my acquaintance. They that did see me without fled from me. I am forsaken as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel, for I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side, while they took counsel together against me. They devised to take away my life, but I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant and save me for, for thy mercy's sake. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the wicked be ashamed and let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. O how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, 
which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Over in chapter 33, the last several verses there. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help, our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Turn back to Psalm 6. Verses 6 through 9, I am weary in my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. In chapter 94, Psalm 94. And there are many more that give us hope in times of grief and feeling like we're all alone. 94, 17 through 19. Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. When I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. So if you're struggling this morning, what should you do? Well, if you can, pray. Just pray to God. Tell him exactly how you feel, what's going on. Talk to someone. Just talk to someone. Someone you can go to and trust. It could be a parent. It could be a friend. It could be someone... In your life, just talk to someone about what you're thinking, how you're feeling. If you are, if it's due to sin in your life, repent of it and talk to someone of how to help. And I say this because I think this is the most important and yet sometimes difficult when we don't feel like caring. And that is to trust Jesus. Jesus was betrayed by everyone here. His father didn't betray him, but everyone else went away. He was betrayed. He was beat. He was scourged. He was spit upon. He was hated by many. But he still loved them, and he loves you. And if you feel like in some way that, well, Jesus doesn't care about me. Jesus loves other people, but I don't think he loves me. That is a lie that Satan's trying to tell you. Jesus died for the whole world. Jesus died for everyone. If you were the only person on the earth, Jesus would have died for you. And maybe you're feeling like, well, if I was the only person on the earth, at least no one would be hurting me. No one would be saying things. No, it wouldn't be mean. Jesus does care about you and trust him. Trust him. And remember that Satan is your enemy. And he's the one that wants to see you harm yourself or someone else. 
harm others. But talk to someone. Don't rely on your feelings. And yes, our feelings are important. But if you rely solely on your feelings, you'll do things that are very, very unrational and very wrong. Don't just trust your feelings. Try this if you are hurting and you can. Try doing something good for someone else. Sometimes just helping someone else, a little kind deed, and suddenly your thoughts shift and you start thinking about someone else. And don't believe that no one would even care if you took your own life. That, again, is another lie from Satan. It's not true. And if you find yourself in desperate need, and maybe someone will say, well, now you're sending someone to the world for help. But and someone's in this situation and they need help desperately, there's a phone number, 988. And it's a, I think it's a nationwide suicide helpline. You call 988, someone's going to answer and talk to you. There are also Christian-based organizations that you can talk to people, and they will listen. If someone comes to you and says they're struggling in this area, what are some things you should not do or say? And you can maybe think of others. Don't say, I know how you feel. Maybe you do, if that's not what they want to hear. And you probably don't anyway. Don't say, get over it. They maybe should, but they don't need to hear that from you. Don't say, you realize there's people worse off than you. So, how does that help me? Don't say, it'll it'll get better, it'll get better. Suppose the time spans between when Job's first, the first guy that ran up to Job and told him about what was going on. Suppose the time span would have been just a little longer before the second guy got there. You know, it was, it was boom, boom, boom. But suppose there would have been 10 minutes there. And he's like, oh, I might as well give up. And somebody walks up and says, oh, it'll get better. And then the rest of the messengers come and tell him everything that's going to happen. You don't even know if it's going to get better if you tell someone that. So be careful with those kinds of words. It could get worse. That's what they really want to hear. Don't assume that it's not serious. Sometimes people do use those kind of words. I'm going to kill myself to manipulate people. But don't assume that it's not serious. It might be. Don't keep it a secret. And I know sometimes people find themselves in those situations. Well, I'll tell you something, but you can't tell anyone. Well, what is it? I'm seriously considering taking my own life. Oh, I said I wouldn't tell anyone. Be very, very careful about that. Don't say, well, you know, if you do this, it will hurt so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. 
In their heart, they might really want to hurt those people because they've been hurt. That's not the point. Don't say, well, you know, if you do this, you'll go to hell. Maybe they're so despairing they don't care. Now, they will care if they get there, but maybe that's not what they need to hear right at the time. And out of your own fear of having to know how to deal with it, whatever you do, don't abandon the person. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. And so you say, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. And then you just kind of put up a wall because I don't know what to do. Find somebody to help you to know how to help them. Maybe some things you can say or do is um, if you don't know what to do or how to help, try to find someone for them that does know how. Tell them you care, and you will try to help them. Tell them, hey, I, I care. I want you to know I care. And you can even say, you know, I, I don't want you to hurt yourself. I'm, I'm concerned about that. It, it concerns me. I, I wanted, what can I do to help you? Pray for them if they're willing to let you do that. Certainly you can pray for them, whether they like it or not. They don't even have to know. But if, if they're willing to let you, pray with them. Let them hear your prayer for them. Probably one of the most important things you can do is listen. Listen to what they have to say. Rather than feel like when they start telling you about how they're feeling and what they want to do and how they just don't know if they can go on, take the time to listen rather than to have a whole list of answers before they even tell you why they're feeling like they are. Maybe they don't even know totally, but listen. If they are open to it, share scriptures of hope. And talk to them about how Jesus cares for them. And if it's a dangerous situation, someone calls you and you think it's you think it's dangerous, you're not sure, you may need to call 911. Don't just think it's going to all be okay and then get a phone call from someone and say it's not. Sometimes if it's serious enough that you are really concerned that someone's going to take their own life, get help there as quickly as you can to help them. And sometimes that means a call to 911, especially if you can't get there quickly to help them out. So I don't know if you've ever, I know some of you have been in situations where people have have shared how they feel. I would believe in a group this size that people either have or may be struggling with these kinds of thoughts that maybe it would just be better. It wouldn't be better. It just wouldn't. Find help. Go to Jesus. He does care. He did die for you. He does love you. And he wants to be with you. He wants to care for you. Find someone that you can talk to and share with them. And if someone comes to you and shares, um, listen to them and care about them. Pray for them. Help them. Get them the help they need. And don't just assume that, well, 
you know what, if they would be just a good Christian, they wouldn't struggle with this. That may be part of the problem. It may not be all of it. It's, you're not, it's not your job if someone comes to you and shares these kinds of concerns in their life. I don't think it's our job right at that time to be the judge and the jury. It's our time to be the help that we can to bring them to Jesus, the one who says we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in time of trouble. Why? Because he's a faithful high priest who knows and was tempted like we are. And so he wants to be there and he wants to help. And I trust this morning that this is a message of hope for you. And if you see some of those things that I talked about with some of those people that took their own lives in the scriptures, if you see those things starting to take root in your life, get rid of them. Don't assume you'll never get to that point because you can if we allow Satan to have a foothold and a stronghold in our lives. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I don't know what's going on in everyone's hearts here. I We'd like to believe, Lord, that we, we know well enough that surely no one's struggling in these areas. But I don't know that, God, you do. And I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to their hearts and help them to realize that you are a God of love and a God of hope. And you want to be there for them. Help us to be people that will be there for them. And Lord, help us to, if we get ourselves into situations where we feel like there's no way out or no one would care or this is the best thing to do to take our own lives god just i pray with your spirit that you would just speak to us and bring people into our lives that we would never do that be with those here in the brotherhood that maybe have had friends or family who have chosen to take their own lives i pray that you would give them comfort in their hearts as much as you can, Lord, through these types of situations, just be a comfort for them. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.